We are raw and real mothers sharing our struggles, triumphs, and everything in between. We are all about being authentic and sharing who we are. None of us have it all together. We know how hard motherhood is. We also know how joyful motherhood is. We're here to grow with you. We're here to empower and support each other. As we share our hearts, we become stronger. Our stories bring us together. The mother heart is within every woman. I don't know about you guys, but I am really super excited to be here. Welcome to anyone who's listening. We are going to be discussing today the book, The Hiding Place, written by Corey Tenboom. It is a true story of her experience um, during World War II. Um, um, her, her faith and her bravery um, amidst all of the turmoil and calamities. And it's quite an inspiring story. Um, so with that, let's just get right to it and start talking. Um, I will say it is definitely a heart-wrenching story. But um, this book does an excellent job at demonstrating that with the greater the trials we experience, the, the greater the capacity for joy um, we are able to experience as well. And Corey Tenboom is an incredible, inspiring woman who shares her love um, of Christ um, throughout her life. And you see her, her love and her faithfulness to him and into in, serving others, no matter the risk. Um, she, uh, her home, her family's residence became um, the hiding place for um, Jews and many who were um, uh, escaping and fleeing from Nazis during the war, and uh, because of the because of their faith in Jesus Christ, they they felt um, her and her family, her father and her sister, and those who are in the household and outside of the household. Um, just demonstrate an incredible and almost unreal amount of courage and willingness to risk their lives to save others' lives. So um, there were a couple stories that um, stood out to me, but I wanted to start with, um, in the beginning of the book, uh, you can see how devoted this, this family was. Uh, her father, um, Mr. Tenboom, he was, at the same time, he, they owned a clock shop, and at the same time, every morning and every evening, you could find him reading to anyone who was in the residence um, from the, the Bible. And, um, and that was a great strength to the family during turbulent times to reflect on the words that their father had shared. And the wisdom that both of their parents shared. And I wanted to kind of ask um, if there have been any words, uh, inspiration from parents or scriptures that have anchored you guys during uh, trying times or during crisis. Uh, one scripture for me that comes to my mind and heart when I'm trying to figure out things that are going on in my life um, is, I don't know where it's at, but it's be still and know that I am God. And that's been a scripture that just comes every once in a while into my heart 
into my mind and I just, it just reminds me to trust and to stop frantically searching left, right, up and down everywhere for answers. Um, it just reminds me uh, that Christ already came and has already rescued and saved us. And so um, trust that and to not hold on to the worry or the anxiety like I often tend to. So the scripture that that I, um, what would I say? <laughs> My mind is so slow tonight, but it's seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added unto you. I tried to live my life by that as a youth and I still try to live my life by that, put God first in my day. And I really feel like he has added everything and in my life and I think that I've needed at the right times. That's cool. Thanks, Rachel. Mm -hmm. I have one um, that's resonated with me lately. So I've been studying the book of Revelation a little bit and reading about the last days in the book of Revelation. But one um, sentence stood out to me when it was talking about how the saints would be persecuted in the last days. And it says, here is the patience and faith of the saints. And so that's kind of, I think my theme for the year is to just exercise faith over fear and patience throughout, you know, the challenges that we may be facing. I love that. That's cool. The one that came to my mind was by the power of the Holy ghost, you may know the truth of all things. And, um, I just, I, I love that because, you know, we can get our own witness. We can get, um, our own guidance as well as having, you know, the general guidance from the prophet and, um, what I loved about Corey was that throughout the time when she was, um, you know, in the thick of things, right? She didn't know how to proceed, but she she saw people being taken away and she was like, I want to help them. I want to do something for them. What can we do? We're nobodies, you know, we're just old sisters, you know what I mean? Like, we don't, what can we do? And yet, you know, she was kind of led along, I think, one step at a time. And she said, you know, it's okay like the Lord does know what we can do. The Lord knows who we can trust and who we can't trust. And, you know, and he knows what steps we can take to help people. And, you know, throughout the book, you can see like she would follow that spirit and she would ask, Oh, was this person someone, you know, and like things, people would be like put into their path or, or people's names would be put into her head so that she would know, who to go to or how to proceed in order to help these people so that they could be um, hidden away or, you know, helped along their path to, to escape from the Nazis. And I think that's so awesome to know that, that, you know, we can receive that revelation in our own lives when we're struggling or there's hard times or whatever that we can get, we can know, um, just one step at a time, things can be put into our heads, thoughts of, of where to go next and things like that, that, you know, the Lord is mindful of us and, and can talk to us. So that was, you know, a huge lesson that I learned from this book was, you know, because what a hard time 
you know, here are all your neighbors and some are joining the, the Nazis basically because they got money and they got nice houses and they got more food and all of these things, perks that they got. And, um, and so they're like, oh yeah, let's join the, well, I think they called it the national, uh, what was it? So, what is it? Socialism society or something like that. And so a lot of people were joining that and these are their neighbors, right? And other neighbors are just disappearing. But there she's like, oh, this neighbor down the street, their house is vacant. And this lady, her rose garden is full of weeds now. Where did they go? You know, and people just started disappearing off off the streets and out of their homes. And, you know, pretty soon people are coming like, oh, hey, um, you guys seem nice, like nice people. And we're worried that we're going to be taken away next because they just shut down our shops and stuff, you know, and like. How, how do you even know who to trust? Because any of your neighbors could also be your enemies or they could be someone that would help you, you know, live. And wow, so, so powerful. Yeah. So that really stood out to me too. What else stood out to me was how all of her little experiences that she had before this, before you know, people started coming to their doorstep and asking for help and hiding. And before she was eventually um, taken to a concentration camp, um, how she, over time, in hindsight, or actually even during her experience in the concentration camp, realized that all of those little experiences throughout her life had prepared her. Had prepared her for that experience that she was having. And I believe that God prepares us. And sometimes when we're having trials, it's hard to understand why, why God allows certain hard things to happen to us. But I feel like in hindsight, when we, you know, as we age and as we have more experiences, we will begin to see, too, if we hold on to Christ, how those experiences have have helped us to be prepared for future experiences or helped us to be ready to help another person um, or to just to have the strength we need to endear something or to um, be a voice for good. Anyone else have any other ex stories um, or experiences from the book that were really inspiring to you? I just keep thinking about Betsy and Corey's parents, about her, their father, how he would be the opa of so many children, or the grandfather of so many children in their village. And they even said after they had raised their original children, they had taken in many children from their town throughout the years. And I can't even remember the number, but I, was, I remember being shocked. How many? I think it was 11. Oh my goodness. And I just remember being like, wow. And then, um, and then when they spoke about the mother, uh, Corey and Betsy's mother, how even though she had some illnesses and she had to be in bed a lot, she still made sure somehow she could serve in any way possible. Um, and so I just thought their um, unwavering and consistent example of service and charity and humility is what prepared these daughters to be able to withstand so much that they had to go through. 
So I think the parents played a vital role in who those girls became. Definitely. It really makes me feel <laughs> inadequate. I mean, it doesn't make me, I feel inadequate when I think about these parents that have been tainted so incredibly by Corey Ten Boom and, and their influence. And I, I hope to be something of the kind of parent for my children that the Ten Booms were for their children so that my kids can be prepared for whatever trials, whatever hardships, even the, the most extreme hardships that might come their way and so that they know where to turn. They know that they can turn to Christ and anchor to him and receive real and lasting strength and peace through him and healing. And that's exactly where the, their strength came from, was through Christ. And because the, um, the Ten Boom parents, because their hearts were turned to Christ, they could have that peace and strength amidst all that chaos. And the beauty of it is it passed down to their children. They saw their faith and their example. So often as parents and as mothers especially, we put so much on our shoulders. We think our sons or our daughters, our children need to accomplish this much so that they can succeed, so that they can become great people. And I think this story taught me that great children are born. They are, they are already great, but great children develop and grow because of parents often, sometimes this isn't the case, but when parents are, um, turn to Christ when they're consistent in that light, in that respect. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I really liked, I really liked the example. So the father was just very consistent about every day, like you said, reading the scriptures from the Bible every day. Um, whether people, you know, I, I think when we read the scriptures and the kids are like, la, 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 like they didn't hear a single thing. You know, I, I kind of got the sense that that was the case when they were kids. Like, oh, yeah, we're reading the scriptures, I'm, you know, and just kind of we're squirming and wiggling because it's so long and we have no idea what it's talking about. But, you know, but it was that consistency. And this is our rock and we're going to read it every day, whether we, you know, understand it or not, whether the kids are listening or not, you know. Um, Another thing that I loved, uh, well, anyway, so I think that that helped, right? That helped like be the rock for the girls as they got older and, and was a good example for them. Another thing that I loved about the father, he had some great quotes and some great, like, um, some great wisdom <clears throat> when she went through hard times, you know, like there was a time when she was in school where um, she heard the word sexin or something like that. Yeah, sexin. And she was like, uh, dad, what does that mean? You know, she was a young girl and the dad, I loved his, and he just kind of sat for a second, thought about it. And then he's like, Hey, um, could you go get my lugs? They were sitting in a train, um, and traveling home from a, another city. And he's like, Hey, can you go get my, my bag for me? And she goes to try and get it. And it's, she's like, dad, I'm sorry. It's just too heavy for me. I can't, I can't carry it. And he's like, so 
you know, there's some knowledge that uh, it's just too heavy for you to bear right now. And so I'll, I'll carry it for you until you're ready and you're, you're able to carry it on your own. And I just love that. Like, you know, kids don't need to know everything and, but, but they also need to know that they're heard and understood and, uh, you know, and that, and she just felt so much peace from like, even though he didn't tell her what it meant and, you know, who knows, but she just felt like, oh, great. I can, I can be okay with not knowing because my dad will, he's carrying it for me and I'll know at some point, you know, another thing, another uh, quote that I really liked, um, and that goes back to following Christ was, so she falls in love with this man and um, I know all sorts of spoiler alerts, by the way. Um, she falls in love with this man and he basically breaks her heart and she, so she's just upstairs sobbing and her dad comes up and says, you know, and she's like, oh, is he just going to say, it's okay, you'll find someone else or something, you know, and they both know that's not the case or, you know, just kind of dismissive of her feelings. But instead of dismissing her feelings, he's like, you know, it, I know it hurts. Love is the worst, worst thing. You know, it hurts the worst when you love and lose, he said, so there's only two ways that you can, that you can handle it. You can either cut that part of you off and stop loving people. Um, but then you'll lose that a huge part of yourself or you can, um, you know, allow God to, to, to show you how he loves that man. And then you can learn to love him in that way um, instead of, feeling bitter and sad and stuff and you can continue to love him but just in God's way and and so she prayed for that and she felt like that she had received that and so years later when she saw him again it was that's how she felt like I love you 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 know as a person and and the way that God loves you and I just love that like just some wonderful sage advice um and especially that second one just like you know, yeah, people will wrong us and um, people that we love will lose them in one way or another. And um, but we can continue. We need to continue to feel that love. And, you know, and if it's someone that's hurt us, we can love them in the way that God loves them so that we don't have to feel the bitterness or whatever part of that. I love that. And that to me just um is one of her examples of of how that prepared her for the future when um she ends up having um to face a nazi soldier who um was the source of a lot of pain and humiliation and suffering that no human being should ever have to suffer through and chooses to invite the love of god um, into her heart because she knew that she couldn't do it on her own. She couldn't forgive him on her own, but God could. And it's just such a profound example. Um, Shirley, I wanted to invite you to share some thoughts that you may have had, if you had any. Yeah. Well, I like, how they talked about how the savior died for everybody and you know asked god to forgive those who hung him on the cross and that he was their example 
And so they were trying to emulate Christ because they were basically being treated just as badly, you know, almost as badly. So, yeah. So that was just the thought I had with that comment. Um, I watched the movie today, and so I wrote down some of the quotes from the movie um, that I really liked. And one that really, well, there were several that really stood out. Um, oh, goodness. But one that relates to what we were just talking about was, like, <clears throat> the sisters were reminding each other not to hate. Like, no, no hate. <clears throat> and I'm just so thankful for the gospel because when I, in those times where I have, the reaction is to hate. Um, somebody who may disagree with me or whatever, like, I know the solution. I can pray. I can pray to God to help me forgive that person, to help me pray. Like, I can pray for that person, too, like, and for myself, right, so that we can come to, like, a better, a better place together. <laughs> it's not an easy thing to do, but because the Savior overcame the world he knows how like he can help us he has the power to help us in that as long as we're exercising faith in him so and the other um quote so at the end of the movie they actually interviewed her Corey ten boom like she speaks at the end she's like older like in her 80s and so she says she's gone all over the world, so many countries, and um, the thing that she's been telling people everywhere is no pit is so deep that he, the Savior, is not deeper still. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I believe that too. And I, yeah, I can testify of that because I've been in really deep pits in my life and he was there. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I just, I love that so much. That was, that was probably my that's been the quote that has been on my mind daily since I'm reading and I watched it too and listened because I'm a nerd. I listened to the audiobook, read the book and watched it. <laughs> I, I traded between the three. I would like read a little bit, watch a little bit, listen to a little bit. <laughs> but that quote, there's just so much truth to that. I mean, that, that is everything we need to know um, in order to survive whatever trial that we face. Yep. You know, another thing that stuck out to me that I really liked was, um, so Corey, when she's falling in love with this guy, right? When she's younger. Um, and he, they kind of started talking about, you know, getting married and stuff, but they hadn't, nothing had been decided. And he's like, just write to me, write to me. And so, for a whole year, she's writing to him and he's like, just write to me about everything in your home. That's just happy. You know, your, your home is the happiest place. And I just want to hear everything about it. And so that helped her see her home in a new light, right? When, when everything was normal before, you know, all of the, everything had gone bad. And, um, and so she started writing it about every little thing. Oh, we had tea today. And, oh, uh, you know, oh, I've just been, you know, fixing this little nook here and, sweeping the floor, whatever, like she just was, you know, going about her daily chores that she had to do every day. But everything seemed so um, exciting and lovely and beautiful to her because she got to share it with him, right? 
And, um, you know, that's, I think why it was so crushing when it didn't happen, but she's like, I want to keep that excitement about just the everyday things that I do. I think, you know, um, right now we're kind of stuck at home doing those mundane tasks and it's hard to like be excited about, um, just the chores that we have to do and being at home. Right. But if we can look at those things with a new light and be grateful for the fact that we have a broom to sweep the floor or that, you know, that we have food to cook for our families and that, um, and that we have a warm home and, you know, and we have our family around us. Um, I think that will help us also get through trials, just those little everyday things that we just take for granted sometimes, you know, being grateful for them and, um, you know, just taking joy in those everyday routines, I think will help us also through hard times and just, you know, recognizing all those small uh, blessings that we're, we've received. So I love Corey's mom said, um, happiness isn't something that depends on our surroundings. It's something we make inside ourselves. And that was definitely, what's the word, um, foreboding. Is that the right word? <laughs> like for, foretold what, um, what lesson Corey would need to really, she would really need to apply that lesson like she'd never applied before. And her sister is a great example when they are in the great concentration camps and they get assigned their room and they happen to be assigned a room that's full of fleas. And it's awful. They've been humiliated already by this point. They've been mistreated. They're in just uninhabitable circumstances. They're being dehumanized. And Corey's sister, Betsy, gives a prayer of gratitude for um, the face for where they're at. And Anna Maria, do you want to expound on that a little bit, that little miracle? So, yeah, um, if I can remember everything. But I was just thinking about that story. And I thought during, as I was reading the book, how relatable Corey was, because I would have been in her shoes, like, how in the world can you thank God for fleas? You know, I would have been more in Corey's mental sphere. And Betsy was, oh, fleas, this must be great. We need to thank God for this. Corey had this faith that everything was there for a purpose and a reason. And she knew immediately to turn to God and to say thank you. And so what happened? Um, um, can you guys help me remember what so, happened? So, with the so what happens is Corey's really frustrated. Mm-hmm. Like she's upset that her sister Betsy is thanking the Lord for the fleas. She's like, this is ridiculous. Like we are in uninhabitable circumstances. No human should ever be under this. How can we possibly be grateful for this? And then when she starts thinking, she realizes, they soon realize that the soldiers refuse to go into their... Right. Their living quarter, their yeah, their for lack of a better word, because the fleas are so bad, and by miracle, Corey was able to um, sneak in uh, a small um, set of a small book of uh, scriptures, and, right? And uh, then because because they had that scripture, that, um, 
and none of the soldiers wanted to come near them. Soon women in, in that whole barrack where they were came and gathered around and they had a Bible study and they were able to share beautiful scriptures and stories from the Bible that gave so many of these women strength to keep moving and to keep going yeah. forward. And yeah. it's incredible to me, their example of just choosing God over life itself over and over again. Like they, they knew that a life without God is a life without joy and peace. And they lived that even when they knew like in any moment, if they were caught with that Bible, they would be dead. And yet they were willing to take the risk because they understood God. They understood his power, his mercy, his miracles, and they understood how much they needed him in their lives and how much everyone else suffering there also needed him. And it truly is a miracle that they were able to get that Bible through there and just shows Heavenly Father's hand of mercy um, during such an awful time that they had to live through. I was just so, the thing that overcame me most or that I was watching and witnessing was the gratitude for circumstances like that, like the story we just talked about, but they also shared um, how sh she's like, yeah, we can be grateful in everything. And it's like, how can we possibly be grateful for this situation when we can't even lay down because there's so many people in here in this barrack, like, how are we supposed to even lay down? And it's, but she's like, well, just think about it. If we didn't have this circumstance, we wouldn't be all together right now. And we wouldn't get to be with each other. And I'm like, wow, even finding gratitude for that. And I was thinking about our current circumstances, like with the pandemic and things. And it's been pretty amazing how the spirit has led me to be grateful for things that I didn't recognize before. And so that's a beautiful thing that the gospel teaches us is to find gratitude in everything in all things and this book that's what stood out to me the most and those small and seemingly meaningless blessings will um roll forward um and have great significance in our lives in the eternal um scheme of things so it's really cool to think about that as well um for me oh go sorry. ahead it was really humbling that they could find gratitude in that circumstance. It was like, it humbled me really thinking if they can find it in that circumstance, I can find it anywhere in my life. Like even the hardest things I'm going through, I can find something to be grateful for or recognizing the blessing in it and why it is in my life right now. Yeah. I, I have, my, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think my like, ultimate takeaway was I have never seen the gospel work so directly in someone's life with such immediate needs. And it reminded me how absolutely essential and important like Christ is in our lives. That was like the huge takeaway for me. Mm -hmm. Go ahead on Maria. Yeah. When I read this book, it was so incredible to uh, read about Betsy on her deathbed and Corey was right there. Um, she wasn't there when she died, but during the process of her death, Betsy would have visions and she would talk to her sister and she would talk to Corey and she would tell Corey, 
I see something. Let me tell you what I see. And um, Betsy would say, these places that have been turned into camps full of hate, we can, we can change this. And she saw these places turn into beautiful uh, gardens and into beautiful healing places where people could come and um, heal from the wounds that the war gave to them. And um, so I'm going to just read a, a quote or two and try to explain what it meant to me. So um, uh, Betsy, she was on her deathbed, she said, when she was seeing these visions of um, people coming for healing, it's so neat that Betsy didn't get stuck in the thought of we're all dying and I'm on my deathbed and nothing's good gonna, is going to come of this. But she had the opposite. She was seeing the beauty from, from this war that was going to happen. And that was just so beautiful for me to read. And then uh, Betsy said, there were no walls, no barbed wire, and the barracks had window boxes. So like where you put flowers. It will be so good for them watching things grow. People can learn to love from flowers. And just little things like that just filled my heart with so much joy because I just knew that Betsy was given a vision from Heavenly Father and that um, these people who were so traumatized and would have so much hate, she knew, Betsy knew that these people who were going to survive after the war ended, that they would have some hate in their heart, that they would be bitter. And she knew they needed to do something to heal. Um, and for some reason, symbols like flowers or trees in nature remind us that we can grow, that we can, even though there's hard forces like wind and the ground that seem to be opposing us in life, um, those, even though those forces come in our lives at times, at times, we can still grow and bloom into beautiful things. Um, and then one other takeaway I had was, this is what Corey Ten Boom said at the very end of the book that she wrote. And she said, um, so after Corey Ten Boom got home to Holland and the war was over, uh, Corey wanted to help her sister who had passed fulfill her dream of opening places where people could come for healing. These centers, these gardens, these um, places. And Corey was able to help her sister fulfill that vision she had um and um she and then Corey said she realized one thing and for all of these people who came for healing who needed to heal from trauma and wounds and hate and bitterness in their hearts and for all of these people alike the key to healing turned out to be the same for all millions and millions of people that needed to heal each had a hurt he had to forgive. And so that's what these places helped them to recognize was in order for me to truly heal and truly to become my best self, I need to forgive. That is the only way. And we, we can forgive and we can heal because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So this book was so exciting for me because I can't explain how much it meant to me to read about another woman having a vision of people coming together to heal and to use the symbolism God has given us 
to recognize who we are and to recognize how how small we are yet how great we are so yep that's all i want to say thanks Santa maria um does anyone have any last comments before we close yeah i was kind of i don't know i just feel like i should share my experience i had today it went along the lines of what Anna maria just shared the symbolism um i don't know why i just feel like i should share this but so I got on the gratitude call with Wileen Benson this morning and we, the gratitude call was on solid foundations. And I know that Heavenly Father gives us visions to help us get through difficult times. And if we allow that to be one of the gifts that he gives us, it's like gives us hope to look forward to something that's good that's coming. And it, he wants us to keep moving forward and creating the beauty and the joy that life really is. And I don't know, I just saw a vision <laughs> during that call, like to help me find my solid foundation today was all of these beautiful women surrounding this rock. And we all had our right hand on this rock and we were all shoulder to shoulder, like putting our rock, our hand on the rock. And to me, the rock symbolized the savior and that we were all grounded in him and supporting each other and just standing there in our power and in our strength and in our individual strength anyway it was a beautiful visual and I thought about you ladies in this call and all the beautiful women that are surrounding me and supporting me and just grounded on the savior so I felt like that's what those sisters were for each other too in that book and that really touched my heart because I have beautiful sisters like my sisters are incredible and I just tried to put myself in that situation that that they were in and like thinking about how that would feel to have gone through that with one of my sisters, but the strength they were to each other was so beautiful. And um, I'm just really grateful for women and for my sisters. We can be an anchor to each other. Uh, there's a lot of, I, I just, something else that has struck my attention reading the book was, just the isolation um, that Corey Ten Boom and many others experienced, which was far worse than even the torture in some ways. And um, we have, we're definitely not experiencing what Corey Ten Boom and others experienced, but we are seeing isolation and the hardship is valid and real. And I want to encourage everyone listening and all of us to turn to the Savior and let's turn to each other as women, as sisters, friends, family, neighbors, as a community, um, and invite each other to draw near to Christ because he is the source of our ultimate healing, peace, and happiness. And I want to reiterate what um, Shirley said, um, quoting Corey Tamboom and her sister. Um, there is no pit so deep that Christ is not deeper still. I challenge all of us, whatever pit we are in, to reach out to our savior because he is there for you and he will be there with you in your pit um, to hold you and understand. And he's the only one who knows exactly what pains you are experiencing and the only one who can, who knows exactly how to pull you out of that pit and some time and trust in him because there's always hope for healing with the Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'll end there until next time. Thanks for listening.
Thank you so much for joining our Mother Heart Circle. Please send us your thoughts, inspiration, experiences, and stories. Your voice is important. Your wisdom and your hearts are needed. We believe in you, we love you, and thank you for being you.